0: Hello and welcome back to another podcast of Rich on Gold. I'd like to talk a little bit about how things started to quickly become very strange for me and a little supernatural. I had been going to the gold fields a couple dozen times or so, maybe more, and I had probably been prospecting maybe a year or two, just a couple years and I was going down Mineral Bar, Yankee Gyms, the typical locations, but the first sign I knew something was a little strange was I was going down river one day at Mineral Bar, and I had been doing this with regularity, going down the same path. I noticed some trees along the trail were snapped, and they were down low to the ground, um, but all at the exact same place, and it wasn't done with an axe or a tool. It appeared to have been broken, um, and the trees were healthy, thick, maybe three and a half inches thick or so, and there was a couple dozen of these trees all along the path, and they were broken going across the path, and I found this to be strange, and I had been doing some research on Bigfoot because I was debating a buddy about it at the time. I had learned about it as a kid, a lot of time went by, and I didn't know how much analysis and evidence had been collected over all these years. And I was joking with them about how silly the show Finding Bigfoot was actually. And so when I was getting evidence to prove to them how fake it was, I didn't even leave my room for two days. This was um, was about back in 2010, 2011, something like that. So I noticed these trees were broken and I thought that was strange, went down river, Did some digging, got a little bit of gold, nothing too crazy. I was getting about a half a gram each trip at that point in time. And I was getting chunky gold regularly, some nice chunky pieces. I was mostly just breaking open crevices on the sides of the river. I was getting in the river and getting lucky sometimes, but the gold was getting harder to get. So I want to talk about how things quickly escalated for me with Bigfoot over the years to this day where I've had several encounters, each one more harrowing than the last. So we had the trees downstream at Mineral Bar and it was that same section of river at a later point in time, some years later, probably about four years later, I was upstream from that location approximately a mile. And I was with a girlfriend at the time and it was the middle of the day, there was no wind. And we we're going through a narrow gorge, and there was a very thickly forested hillside to the left alongside the river, and it was very steep going up the canyon wall, and you can't see into these trees as trees and bushes, all healthy trees, very thick. I passed through the area, and as we're passing through, it there's this strange eerie feeling. The hair stood up on our back of our necks. And just then we heard what was like, whack, whack, crack. And it was like a huge tree was broken very quickly. At first, it was like a whack, whack sound, but not like an axe. However, even if you were to cut down a tree with an axe, you it wouldn't be whack, whack. And then the sound was the entire tree breaking very quickly. Crack. It wasn't like a crack, crack. crack you know, crashing. It was a quick snap. There was two whacks as if you hit a tree twice hard with your hand or your arm really, really hard. And then you broke it quickly with your hands. And so this to me was very odd because the area was silent. The area was impenetrable. The sound occurred probably 50 to 100 feet away up on this hillside to the left. So This sound was very unnerving, and we were very scared. We look up there, we get the chills, and it's just an indescribable sound. And you just, your head just turns. What could have done this? Could the tree have broken and fallen? But there was no wind. There were no dead trees. And if a tree were to fall, this is kind of, you know, if you've ever seen a tree fall in the forest, I have. They fall slowly. It's, you know, it's not. Whack, whack, crack. The two whacks indicate something has hit this tree. Um, And two of them indicates that this is not something just a one-time rock rolling down a hill hitting a tree. This is whack, whack, crack. And it was very odd. And when you look back and think about exactly the sound that was made, it was a very deliberate sound. And I know that Bigfoot are known to do just this, break trees with their hands. People have seen them do this. They have very big, strong hands. So things were starting to heat up for us and I didn't have anything happen for quite a while. A couple years later, I had developed some friendships with some local prospectors and these guys were about my age at the time. We were in our mid to late 20s and they had been going to some of the spots I like to go to. They actually went, I think I know exactly where they were. They were on the North Fork, I believe, this place they had been going because I ran into them. They had just gotten the best gold they had ever found, including a 11-gram nugget that was just very beautiful. It was all quartz and gold. It looked like a, like a magical pendant of golden quartz. It was so shiny, and it was like a ball. It was so cool. And they had just got this gold. So... Typically, a prospector or a miner will not ever leave an area that's really good unless it's played out and they don't get any more gold. So what this guy had told me was that they were down there at this area, which was actually downstream from where I had my kind of little encounters. These funny situations, I won't say for sure were encounters, but they were squatchy. He was probably downriver about five miles or so something like that, you know, uh, yeah, I think five to seven miles. And so things were happening on the stretch of river, but let me see what happened. They had just got this nugget. They were doing really well. They loved the area. And then what they said was a very large Bigfoot threw a tree down at them from the top of a hillside, and it was roaring and making a bunch of noise. I the the tree was thrown down this hillside at them he says but at the time he was telling me about other encounters he had with far more mystical creatures and this guy was legit he was not kidding he was he liked a kid but not about stuff like this he was scared and his family was scared with one of the encounters they had in the desert seeing an alien but that's another story um so he had an encounter downstream with this Bigfoot supposedly throwing a tree at him and his friend and scaring them out. It didn't try to hit them but it threw the tree right near them apparently. Fast forward about a year or two after that and I was with that same girlfriend and we went to Oregon, to Southern Oregon in Josephine County and we had just I had been watching this guy's YouTube videos who is a miner in the area and he was very active in living out there full time mining. And he says very casually in his videos, he's like, Oh yeah, we're dredging, we're getting about quarter ounce a day and uh, you know, we see Bigfoot, he's poking his head up over the hill here and he's looking at us and you know, he's saying his thing. But anyways, yeah, the gold is good and you know, we are we, we having fun here and yada yada but you know, it's very kind of casual the way he mentions Bigfoot and then I was watching some of his other videos and same thing he's saying yeah I'm out here dredging and I saw Bigfoot poke his head up again he's over there and yeah there he, I don't see him now but he's probably there watching us and so I'm looking at the area it's super wild super remote the closest town is Cave Junction about you know 35 40 miles away or so and Cave Junction's not a town at all if you've been to Cave Junction it's it might as well be a cave. Anyways, um and the people of Cape oh, How dare you say that. No, that area of Oregon, I love that area of Oregon because you have a lot of gold and a lot of Bigfoot. And this is where I had my first real encounter where I knew a Bigfoot was right there near me. So during the day, uh I had been detecting a while wandering up this steep hillside. Now imagine there's a very rugged road we used to get in there. Very, very rugged, pushing my Acura MDX at the time to its limits. And it was just huge potholes, rugged, rugged dirt, bouldery road. And we go off of a dirt road, off another dirt road, like a labyrinth until we're next to the river. And then on the other side of the river, it goes up a very steep hill. And as you go up the hill, it plateaus. And then there's another mountain up there this is steep mountain not a hill and it's very thickly forested as you go up it gets so steep it's almost it's like too steep you look at it and you're like that's impossible and up it there it plateaus and it looks like an ecosystem i see like a rainbow up there like a little cloud forest up there thick vegetation and then a peak that goes up further and just disappears And I was just thinking to myself, wow, that is such a good looking place for Bigfoot. Like nobody lives up there. People don't even go up there. There's no roads. You know, people go down in this base area along the river. That's it. And so that area has all the water and, you know, deer and berries and all that. In hindsight... I mean, I knew that this was a great area, but I actually, after the fact, talked to people who believe that there are populations of Bigfoot that live there full time because they have the resources. Northern California, Oregon border has very rich resources, especially near the coast where you can get the kelp for salt and iodine and mussels and uh, oysters, but mussels, oh my God, you have millions of those out there. So back to my encounter. During the day, I was metal detecting up this hillside and I went way high up and not so high up. It it started to get just too steep and too thick for people. You just it was thick manzanita. Just it'll shred you and you can't see anywhere where you're going. So I go up there and I also do wood knocks during the day. This is something that people believe Bigfoot respond to and they, believe that they communicate with each other doing this. It's a way to communicate without giving up the fact that you're actually a Bigfoot. Because if you make a Bigfoot noise and go, you know, they know you're a Bigfoot. So maybe that's what this is about, but either way, they're very well known to do this and they'll take a, a hollow. People actually believe that they use their hands to do this, but it, it's just a clunk, clunk. And usually it'll come in sets of twos, ones or twos, I, I believe. Um, but again, people have said that they've seen Bigfoot do this with their hands. People have also said they've seen Bigfoot with, with large uh, dead branches doing this. But if you use a dead branch on a dead branch, it gives a very hollow sound with a lot of reverberation. It'll echo through the valley for miles. So I was doing a lot of wood knocks. Clunk, 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 clunk. And I was doing claps. um, I was doing rock clacks, clack, 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 clack. This is another thing they do. I was also doing whoops, whoop, whoop. And I was doing those into the hillside. And so the sun was starting to detect and I was making a ruckus all through their front yard, you know, albeit a ways away. And the sun was starting to set, I set a fire. We had a fire there. It took us a couple hours to get our camp set up. We had a tent. Now we had a fire that was visible for miles. Uh, From this giant mountain across that looked like the perfect habitat. And so I will mention another big factor here. I believe uh, if all this wasn't enough, two more things would happen that would attract them to me. Although I think no matter what, they would have came. My girlfriend, it was her time of month. And the pheromones and smells from that, from her urine um, near camp uh, and the wind, I mean, that bears and other animals can react to this as if it was their own sex. And there are ample studies on this. It'll get male bears riled up and interested. And it's been said that this will happen with Bigfoot as well. It smells very similar to their the, the pheromones and reactions they have to these female urine, you know, menstruating is, I don't know what it is. They react to it. But um, anyways, so that was a factor in the final thing. Okay, so there's that, there's the fire, there's the whoops, the clacks, the wood knocks, the detecting, the wandering around all through the area. And while I was doing something with the fire, I accidentally swung something, I forget what it was, maybe a large metallic object I had, and accidentally hit the rim of this little fire, this ghetto little fire setup that was there. And I hit metal on metal, and it was one of the loudest sounds I've ever heard in my life. It was just, it was just super loud, and it echoed through that valley unbelievably loud. It was like, and it was just super disruptive. And I know if I were a Bigfoot on that mountain, you got the fire, you got the whoops, the clacks. You got the, the urine, you got the, you got that noise. And you're just like, okay, this is just too much. I'm, I'm checking this out. And that's what happened. We were down there and you know, we put the fire out. It was early, it was only nine o'clock. We we're getting into the tent and it was a quiet night aside from the breeze, just a gentle breeze. And, and it was just peaceful. And I was, I had this feeling of fear because I knew that these guys were having, they were seeing Bigfoot there recently. And another historical report from this area, I'll say really quickly, was a father and son were out there hunting deer. They killed a deer and they were cooking the deer on the fire. This happened, I believe, in the 1800s. And what they described as a large, hairy man, what we now call a Bigfoot, approached them and appeared interested in what they were cooking. So they gave it a leg of deer. It took the deer and it walked off happily. So encounters like this have been happening in the area historically. And then you had recent encounters with these miners and they weren't even reporting them officially to a website like the BFRO or Oregon Bigfoot, which is where this encounter actually is right now. So we're in the tent, it's quiet and we're just starting to feel, hey, maybe we can sleep here. And I'm not very tired. I usually go to bed much later than nine-ish. It was probably only about 9.15. I had my GoPro in my hand, ready to go, just in case something happened. I had my headlamp on, my GoPro, ready to go. And I was thinking, you know what? Maybe I'm just gonna drift off and it's all gonna be fine. And we're both laying there quietly, She's got her eyes closed. It's dark, but there's a good, a fair amount of moonlight except for the thick forest all around us. And I remember I had no earplugs in and I was listening to the forest behind me and the sounds of the wind and the river can really play tricks on you. And everybody who spent time in the woods knows this. And what I heard first sounded like a 900 pound ninja tiptoeing through the forest, very quietly. Imagine uh, a two-legged elephant slowly rolling its foot, trying to be quiet. And I swore I heard something like this. It was like... (coughs) Because there was a lot of twigs and leaf litter. So it sounded like something very heavy, slowly walking through the leaf litter in in the forest behind us. And I heard this sound and I was thinking to myself, no, it's probably just me playing tricks on myself. I'm not actually hearing this. This isn't actually happening. But I heard it and then it stopped. It just... It was quiet forest other than the wind. So so I heard this and I'm thinking... No, I'm making this up. You know, sometimes little birds in bushes can sound like bigger animals or a deer can sound like a bear. So it was quiet and I didn't hear it anymore. And I'm just listening and listening. And I'm feeling nervous, but then my anxiety is slowly starting to dissipate. And just then, what I heard and felt... Brings chills to me just as I remember it right now. Ding, 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 ding. And then silence. I immediately turned on my headlight and my GoPro and said, with a very nervous, shaky voice, Bigfoot, he's here. I just, I was on the verge of crying from fear. I knew right away. Because I could feel it in my body. The feeling, it shook the earth. If you were there, if anyone was there, they would have woken up and been terrified and felt the same way I did. Bigfoot researcher or not. I had read hundreds of reports by then. And I was here to have a Bigfoot encounter. And I was getting what I asked for. And it was too much. It was very, very loud and very powerful. It was... Bipedal stomping. Boom, 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 boom. And I immediately unzip the tent within seconds. And I have the camera rolling. And I'm shining a light into the forest where the sound came from. And all I see is these thick tree trunks and trees and dark forest. And I don't see anything. And I'm shining the light. And I'm saying, hey, Bigfoot. Are you there? You know, and then I'm like, whoop. I do some little kind of nervous whoops. I don't really know what to do. In hindsight, I would have tried to prepare a game plan. Maybe held out some apples, laid them out, stayed there maybe. But my girlfriend was scared. And she said, I don't feel comfortable being here. I don't want to be here anymore. And the truth was, we were going to be up all night. And we were both scared. I put the camera down facing towards us in the camp and we took down the camp as quickly as possible. We, we took it down in 10 minutes. We even left a lot of our stuff there. It was a dark forest and there was something around us that was terrorizing us, something behind one of these trees that we couldn't see that was really big. The night was dark and we were terrified and we got out of there as quick as possible. I haven't done enough analysis on my footage that I've done there. I need to change the contrast and up the gain and do different things to see if I can see something within the darkness. Somebody had commented when I had posted the video that I now had to take down, but I'll repost it and re-edit it soon to do a Bigfoot compilation. Some guy claims that Bigfoot is on the video, but I don't know if that's true or not. Either way... This wasn't my last encounter with Bigfoot and certainly wasn't my scariest. So in between this encounter and my next one, which was just last year, several years after this one, I had some friends, one of which is now deceased. God rest his soul, Sam Hacker. But Sam Hacker was somebody I had started prospecting with because he was great friends with my buddy. Eric. And so Eric and Sam were good buddies and they were going out there and they were doing some mining and they had done some pretty successful mining together on a small scale. And we're they're really into animals, really into nature, and Sam's kind of a nature nerd like me and we're into different types of stuff. But he's really into reptiles and I'm really into cryptozoology, really into predators bears, mountain lions. This guy was an expert with rattlesnakes. He would just pick them up like they're nothing. So I was sitting there with Eric and Sam one day and we were going on an adventure down uh, on one of the forks of the American. And we were blocked off. The gate was closed. And damn forestry had shut the gate and everyone's access to all these amazing forests in Gold Country, just outside of Auburn. And we're all disappointed. So we're sitting there. And um, we're smoking a little weed, to be honest. And uh, we're laughing, smoking a little bit, and we just had such a good time together. Anyways, I mentioned something about Bigfoot. I'm like, oh yeah, you ever had any? You ever had any uh, Bigfoot encounter, Sam? Because he was from out east. He had spent a lot of time outside. He'd been around, and he had uh, camped by himself and his dog Lexi at, at times. And he laughed at me. And Eric laughed too. They both thought it was a joke. They were like, oh, bro, you're such an idiot. I can't believe you believe in that stuff. And I'm like, okay, okay, whatever, whatever. We'll just leave it at that. But you know what, guys? When you have an encounter, remember this conversation. And remember that I said, I bet everything that it's real. And wouldn't you know it, but not even a few months later, they both saw Bigfoot not far from where we were that day. Bigfoot was uh, outside of Volcano volcano Canyon heading northeast, I believe, towards the town of Forest Hill. This was probably in 2017, 18, something like that. Maybe, yeah, around there. So the story goes, someplace we had been going regularly, and they're hiking out of there at the end of the day, and the sun was setting but they could still see very clearly and up ahead of them on this road which it was a trail a dirt trail and it was probably about uh eight to ten feet or so wide uh it got wider and narrower at different portions but this on one side to the left the canyon drops off very very steeply so steep nobody even has the physical ability to hike up this. I would like to meet that person, but it's just ridiculously steep. Let's say that. And then on the right side, it's the thickest, steepest Manzanita trail you've ever seen. in your, It's just impenetrable Manzanita. Like you'd be, I would pay somebody a thousand dollars to try to go a hundred feet up that. They would probably bleed to death. I mean, it's just like super, super thick Manzanita And very thick poison oak and blackberries, just nasty stuff. Full of ticks and bugs and sharp stuff. And so they're walking, they're talking, and they notice something in the distance appear. They see, appearing from the steep side off the left, from the riverside, heading up, they see a giant, hair-covered, man-like thing. (laughs) appear. And just as it appears, it leaps across the road in one leap and just walks right up into the thick manzanita, and just walks right through it like it's nothing. And this, uh, uh, I think it was about a hundred yards or 300 feet ahead of them uh, when they saw this. So they see this figure and they just, oh my gosh, did you see that? You know, it was all one color. It was like a dark brown. I believe, and this is just typical descriptions of Bigfoot. It was just to a T, everything, you know, conic head, you know, no hair on the face, yada, yada. They got a good look Um, from the distance they had. And they knew enough that it was gigantic. These things are on the low side. The adults are seven and a half feet tall and that's a female. Adolescents are, you know, six feet ish. And, you know, and it's just ridiculous how big they get. Nine, 10, 11 feet tall, And that's the truth of their existence is they are giants and they are gigantic and they are super massive, their arms and their legs and their power is immense and unfathomable how powerful they are. They can just toss boulders like we would throw just a tennis ball and they could rip a tree out of the ground. And... They can instill fear into you like nothing you can imagine. So they saw Bigfoot and I was happy for him. But <laughs> Eric had too much pride to tell me you were right or anything like that. I didn't need to hear it. I was just happy to hear they saw something. They never liked to mention it because I think they both had a lot of pride and they knew that I was right. And, um, you know, it it didn't need to be said. <laughs> And I didn't need to hear that I was right. I just wanted them to have this experience so they could realize like, hey, I'm not crazy. These things are real. Just because you spend your whole life in the woods and you haven't seen one or had a weird encounter around one does not mean that they're not real. I promise you they're real because my next encounter was absolutely terrifying. So... Sometime after that, there was another prospector and he lived in Oregon. He grew up there and he and I were talking and I said, have you had any Bigfoot encounters? He says, no, a lot of my friends have. I don't personally believe in it. I'll believe it when I see it. And I said, well, you know what? I think it's just a matter of time. You're going out there all the time. You're going out to the right areas. I mean, a lot of places in Oregon are very squatchy. Anywhere in the wilderness, in the thick woods, south, eastern, northern, you know, coastal. Coastal areas are the best. The remote southern coastal Oregon is super ripe for Bigfoot activity because they live there full time up in the mountains nearby. So this guy, just like Sam and Eric, kind of eh, shrugged it off. Well, this guy more more so shrugged it off. He was he didn't really believe it, but I told him, you know what? When you have your next encounter, I want you to give me a call. And wouldn't you know it, just a couple months later, he calls me and we had never spoken on the phone. We had um I think we were we were both on um Instagram together. So he says, What's your phone number? I want to call you right now. And I said I knew this was probably something interesting or important. And he seemed like a good guy. I wasn't worried about it. I'm like, here's my number. Give me a call. Calls me right away. He's all worked up. He's like, I saw one. I just saw a Bigfoot. Middle of the day. It's driving in the road. And I'm taking a corner. And I see a Bigfoot walk across the street and just go through the brush. And he saw it for like uh, you know, maybe five seconds, hardly enough time while you're driving to pull over, get out your phone. You turn it on and you're panicking, hit the video. No, the, not the camera. The video. You know, It's, it's already gone. That's the thing is it's impossible. It's so hard. Even trying to get a video of a bear, these things are running when you see them or, you know, they just disappear as quick as you see them. So he saw it clear as day in the middle of the day. And we talked on the phone, but it wasn't just him. Actually, a few weeks after that, he called me again. And he told me about some prospectors who had a terrifying encounter in Southern Oregon at the same time. It had just happened. And they weren't going to report it as well, by the way. And the reason why... A lot of these people don't report them. There's a lot of reasons. One of them is that a lot of these people are gold miners and they don't want to give up their area. They don't want to give up the county, anything, not the creek, not the river system, nothing. We're secretive. It's like our bank account. We can't share that stuff. I mean, I can't tell someone. <laughs> no way. You know, And when you learn about the Bigfoot, they're mostly benevolent and you want to protect them. You don't want the government going in there. You're trying to gold mine. you get who knows some black ops thugs out there, some men in black trying to kill them, take their bodies for research. The people who have had a lot of encounters with them actually believe that they're like protectors of the forest and they're good and they're benevolent beings overall and they give you a feeling of peace. If they scare you or do something negative, it's because you've done something to upset them and you need to respect that and you need to get the hell out like I did every encounter I've had. So what the, happened with these prospectors, it was, it was two miners and I believe their wives. So it was two miners and their wives. They parked up their trucks on top of a hill and they had lots of equipment. And they were really excited because they were onto great gold. And they probably had a couple of dredges and they had all this equipment that they hiked down there. And it was, I believe, the middle of the day. They didn't even get to start mining because they got surrounded by Bigfoot. And Bigfoot roared at them, apparently. And it was very scary. They had to leave their equipment and run for their lives, they felt, back to their trucks. And apparently, at the trucks, there were more Bigfoot waiting for them. And they could not have kicked and ushered these people out of the mountains faster. They were so scared, they left their thousands and Thousands of dollars in dredges down in that creek or river, and they got out of there. But they saw the Bigfoot. They were surrounded by the Bigfoot, more than one. It it sounded like there was a couple down at the creek, and a couple up at the trucks. And they chased them up to the trucks, and then the other two at the top made sure that they were escorted out. And um, at one point, they were split up when they had their encounter before it all happened. I believe it was something like the wives up at the trucks saw them and ran down and then they all ran up it was just a terrifying ordeal for them and it had just happened and they called my friend and my friend called me and I hope he's doing well I haven't talked to him in a while but he's probably an encounter since then so there was that encounter they're happening all the time and people don't report them because they want to protect the creatures in some of these places where they're so common people have I want to say a relationship. It's not a close relationship, but the Bigfoot comes by, gets some stuff, checks these people out while they're washing their dishes or something in gold country. And these people don't want attention. They don't want YouTubers. They don't want Bigfoot. Yeah, I'm out here in happy camp on this hillside. And yo, this woman up there named Martha. Yeah, she's sitting, you know, they don't want that. You know, you go to the general store and they'll tell stories and people tell their stories to the general store. And I went there I believe before my encounter, I went to happy camp and I wanted to talk to people and no one wanted to speak on camera. The people who were were having encounters only wanted to tell the people at the general store. They live up in the mountains and they see the Bigfoot sleeping on their property and they don't mess with them. They they just, they leave out little Bigfoot feeders, you know, nine, 10, 11 feet off the ground. They have some hanging apples and the bear can't reach it. And a bear is not tall enough to reach that. You know, if it's a Bigfoot and it's nine feet tall, it can reach another three feet high. So you hang it, you know, 13 feet high, Bigfoot can grab it, but absolutely nothing else. So they're out there. And my greatest encounter was about to happen. It was last summer. And I was going to a place that I had sampled And I found incredible gold. It was actually the best gold I had ever seen. And I was curious why nobody had dug this. Why this gold was still here. It was so accessible, I thought. And the area was just so odd. It just felt like it was lost in time. And again, when you go into a place where Bigfoot's active, you feel it. You can feel them. You can... You can, you feel like something's not quite right. You feel like someone's watching you. You feel like you can't figure out why you don't feel comfortable, but you don't feel comfortable. And I had this feeling even before the trip started. I actually feel the trip out mentally. I go on kind of like a psychic journey before my trip. And I envision the entire trip, what I'm planning on doing, the drive, every step. And I sometimes get some sort of psychic signals. And they've been proving true for the past couple years. And this trip was no exception. I had a very strange feeling about going to this location when I envisioned going there the night before and the day of. The whole time I had this feeling of nervousness going there. And I didn't know why. I I just couldn't shake this feeling. And so we go to this area. And it's, there's no one around. There's this whole area is dead. There's no people. There's no cities for a hundred miles. And the local, the nearest city isn't a city at all. A city at all. It's a couple of meth heads and heroin addicts sitting on the side of the street with a couple of trailers hanging around and a general store. So there's really nothing in this part of Northern California. So I have this equipment that's brand new that's designed specifically for mining this spot that I had found. So I was very excited to get into the best gold of my life and get potentially ounces and ounces or pounds of gold in easy circumstances, comparably to other gold mining situations. I had a dry lander dredge and it was going to really help work this area that had thick clay that was just full of gold and you had to break up the clay and and wash it well. And you can't really do it with any other unit. And there's also not a lot of water. So this unit was the perfect thing for this area. So before I get the unit down to the location, I'm with my girlfriend and we hike down this Creek and it's a convergence of two Creek systems. In this area, and I had been further downriver some months before, and it just disappears into thick wilderness. And it's scary, thick, and dark. And I'm not used to seeing that in California. In a lot of the places I go, it was very creepy. And it's just so strange because this area is very rich and there's not a lot of claims. And I'm starting to understand why, because the Bigfoot are very active and aggressive in this area. They enforce it, so we go down, and I go down to the creek. I just look around, I check out the spot we're gonna be. I do a couple of pans, and then I go. Okay, all right, things are looking good. I feel good about this. Um, okay, let's go back to the the car and uh, get out the equipment and uh, start mining. The day is young, so I get out the equip. Actually, as we're leaving this canyon area to go up onto this ridge line. Before we crest the top of the ridge, from the bottom of the creek below us, behind us, we hear, and it was really loud. And the moment I heard it, just chills down my spine. And I just knew right away, oh my gosh, Bigfoot's here. And I was just so scared and, my girlfriend was terrified too because it was like what the hell was that that was weird there's like an ape roaring right behind us right as we left this area and crested over the hill we continue walking towards the car and then we hear it again and it was really loud and then it turned into a rasp like a it sounded very much like a howler monkey and I've been in Costa Rica, staying in the Tortuguero River and uh, El Rio Tortuguero. Um, and there's all these howler monkeys everywhere. And they they make a variety of sounds. But the, the most common sound you'll hear them do is like a... Like that. So it sounded like a gigantic howler monkey. But the volume was so loud. And howler monkeys are loud. Very, very loud. Uh Howlers can project, you, you think a howler monkey is, is like an elephant, but a tiny howler monkey can howl super loud. And so it was really unbelievable, the power of this thing that was probably several hundred feet away and down below us, behind us. And so we're walking towards the truck and we hear the sound every about 20 seconds or 30 seconds. We hear the sound and we hear it and it's moving. And then I'm thinking, and I'm trying to record the sound on my phone, but, you know, I have a case on it. So there's no way it's going to capture it. And I'm talking too much and I'm starting to tear up. And then the sound, we don't hear it anymore. And I'm thinking, you know what? I'm trying to rationalize it. It's just a dog. It's got to be a dog, right? There's some people nearby. There's some grow house in the distance. You know, there's a lot of grow houses out there. It was probably just about a mile or two away. And I'm thinking, oh, it must be a dog. A dog. A mile or two away in the other direction that may or may not be there. That, you know, like this sound was behind us from this wilderness area right as we left this creek area. And I was making a lot of noise, you know, joking, laughing, talking, knocking rocks down this hillside. And um, so I was definitely... (laughs) Making a, a ruckus. So I started to convince myself it was the dog, and I pull out a sandwich and I start eating this sandwich. I'm like, oh gosh, you know what? I, I, I'm I, just crazy. I'm just, and I think deep down inside, I wanted to believe it was a dog because I really wanted to stay there the night and mine the best gold of my life. So I'm eating the sandwich and I start singing this song from a radio, and I stand up on this large stump that's sitting. In front of me, and the stump uh, brings you up, you know, another five feet. And then I sang towards the convergence of those two creeks. And as I sang, I wish I could remember the song, but it was, it was, you know, some silly like punk song, you know. It was, you know, I don't know. It was, it was like, you know, ooh, <laughs> I can't even say, but anyways, I start singing and my voice is echoing through the valley. It's really loud. And just then, the roaring starts back up, but this time, louder and in multiple directions, and it it just shivers down my spine. I just, tears start streaming down my eyes, my face. I'm just like, oh my god, could this be a bear? I've heard bears I've, I've been surrounded by black bears and grizzly bears mother bears and cubs i've had them charge me i've had i've had them roar behind me 10 feet i've had them roar around me i've heard them i know what bears sound like they sound like bears they don't sound like gigantic howler monkeys so the sound is going crazy now because now apparently i challenged them i told them oh they thought i was leaving and now they realize he's not leaving now he's making a mockery of you and joking about you guys and making you guys sound like idiots because I'm like, maybe I'm like almost making fun of you with my singing. And they're just like, whatever they're thinking, they apparently didn't like it and they were ready for plan B and they were just exercising it now because I was well aware of how these creeks went. One went on one side of us and one went on the other and our car was parked kind of in the middle and we hear this sound and I can hear exactly okay it's coming from this creek to the south and then I hear that and now it's okay now it's a hundred feet further to the east and then and I hear another one totally to the northeast now Now there's a one in a completely different location. And then anytime one would roar, the second would roar. So that I knew there were multiple of them and that they were on either sides of me and they weren't playing around. And this is the feeling I got. And my girlfriend was terrified. She saw the fear in me and she knew the situation was serious and we had to make a decision quickly. The sun was now setting and... We were gonna lose all our daylight within just a matter of minutes. So we had to make a decision. I had my camera and I said, I wanna to run to the creek. You have to keep up with me. We can't lose track of each other. And you have to run with me and we have to try to catch it off guard. And if we run down to the creek now, we're gonna see it and it's not gonna expect, expect us to be there. We're gonna run straight into it. And we started to run on this road that connects to the North Eastern Creek. And as we start running, she just gets really scared. And she says, I don't want to do this. And I'm way faster. And it just, it could have been bad. The sun was setting and we could have got there. Then it's dark and then they're surrounding us. And then we can't get out. We're too far from the car. And then we go back to the car and who knows, they knock it over or, or whatever. But at that point, I was making a judgment call right then and there. when my girlfriend would not go to the river to try to meet up with them and the sun was setting, there was no way we were getting sleep, A. There was no way we were mining, B. And C, they were obviously not happy. If they wanted to have a cool hangout session with us and check us out, they could have just walked up and stood there quietly. But the situations like this, the Bigfoot will get very, I started to think about other situations, like the declassified files of those Russian kids who looked for the Iceman, and they were murdered by Bigfoot. All of them. And it's the only plausible explanation for their deaths. And I invite you to look into that. These group of students who actually found evidence um, from the local peoples and their own evidence, including a photo and journal saying they found the snowman. They went into an area they weren't supposed to go. The local... Eskimo type people, native people said, don't go there. They tell you to leave, you must leave. Those kids went there and the Bigfoot showed themselves in day and warmed them with their presence alone. But they were murdered in the middle of the night. They were beat, their faces smashed in, Uh, not with tools. No marks of tools, knives, guns, none of that. They were beat, their bones were crushed. They were wearing their they were in their sleeping bags. They were still in their underwear. It was just freezing conditions. They had to cut themselves out of their tent to escape the attack in the middle of the night. The only ones that weren't beat to death froze to death from escaping them and going out into this big open area and then freezing to death rather than getting killed by these Bigfoot. It was Bigfoot that killed them. And since then, I've done other research and found that actually a family friend, his wife, i believe was abducted by bigfoot just stolen she disappeared and i can talk about this at a later bigfoot episode where i go into some details about some more intense encounters but i want to also briefly mention albert ostman albert ostman he on his deathbed attested to his getting abducted by bigfoot and you can hear this audio recording he was abducted by Bigfoot I believe in the 1920s before the term Bigfoot came about in the 70s but he was a prospector and he was out there by himself and he was abducted for several days and he gave deep detail about their bodies even their genitals which didn't we didn't even know about the gorillas and the things we know about primatology so he was saying things that would later be corroborated by primatology um, uh, and the findings of Jane Goodall who believes in Bigfoot, by the way. So these creatures were around us roaring in this, these, there, it sounded like there was two to the right and to the South and they were moving and they were probably going to close in. So in my head, I'm thinking, okay, we're not sleeping. We're not mining. We're going to feel like shit and our lives could be in danger and I would feel so horrible if something happened to this poor girl I'm with, and I can't put her in this situation. These things are roaring. They're not happy. I've potentially pissed them off. We need to go. Nothing good is gonna come from this. It's gonna be too dark to get footage. I don't, I'm not ready to Bigfoot right now. I don't have a night vision camera. I don't have thermal optics. I don't have any of these things, casting tools. I don't have a, even a good picture camera. I just wasn't ready for a Bigfoot trip. I was there for gold, not Bigfoot. And Bigfoot found us. And it was so loud, these screams, and the only good thing you can see on this video is that I'm absolutely terrified, but it's truly embarrassing. I haven't posted this, but I will do a Bigfoot compilation after I go back and go back there with a ghillie suit, you know, a three-dimensional camouflage suit with a camera to get their photo and if they're not there I'll have the mining equipment in the back ready to get the best gold of my life but since then I have found other great places with gold I will go back there but I am terrified of that spot it haunts my dreams a little bit I think about it and if I talk about it with my lady who was there we get scared it was scary it was very scary the funny thing is there was actually a group of miners nearby at the time. And there was a group of them though. These are big men. They had side-by-sides, ATV, you know, a bunch of guns, pretty burly dudes. I They must have had an encounter that night. But I'm really curious what the encounters that the grower has nearby and the people in that area. Bigfoot is active and well. And since then, I've heard of way more encounters in that area. In fact, After our encounter, I talked to a buddy who had a claim downriver, just downriver, and it was just a few months, I want to say it was a few months after our encounter, it was the same years, the same time period, and I had been downstream, it was that area I was just telling you about, where it looks into the, it's like the, you know, got all this like uh, river area, and then it just disappears into deep, dark forest downstream, it's so scary. It's so creepy and there's nobody around these places. It's the most desolate and rich place in gold country is like some of the richest places are so full of Bigfoot and just scary things and they will enforce it. They are active and well and they are aggressive and sometimes they don't want you to be there. And I took off that night. We took off and I was thinking about those Russian kids that were beaten and I was thinking about the people that go disappearing in the woods and I was thinking about how I don't even have good flashlights and I'm just not prepared to be surrounded by Bigfoot. So we get in the car and we get out of there as quick as possible. But in the process, the the, the woods are so thick, the roads are so confusing with no names and they're very difficult. It's just a labyrinth. We got lost for an hour and did multiple circles. And the scariest thing, I thought we were haunted or cursed that night for a moment there. I was so scared. We were fishtailing around corners, doing, looking at the GPS, trying to figure out. And, the, you know, we don't get reception. We don't get connection to figure out where we are. And after driving for an hour through these roads, we come to the same dead end we were at an hour before, right next to where the Bigfoot were. And we are just terrified because at that point, I'm not sure what's going on. I'm thinking something supernatural is happening. How did I come back here? There's no way. There's no way I could have driven for the last hour through these woods and all these different roads and wound up at the exact same place I was just at. But it just happened. And I was terrified that these Bigfoot were going to jump out from these thickly wooded areas all around us and because they were probably there. And they could see our lights wandering into the forest and then wander right back like idiots all over the mountain. And, but they didn't jump out. And we did get out. And then we figured out how to get out. And I was so excited to get out of that area because it was just like a nightmare. It was absolutely terrifying. And I remember it so well. And I know I have to go back. I have to go back to finish what I started with the Bigfoot and with the gold. Because there's exceptional gold out there. And now I know why nobody gets it. Because Bigfoot is protecting it. Just like he's protecting all his other favorite spots in California. Which happen to be places where there's some of the best gold. So, most my prospector and miner friends have had some sort of encounter with Bigfoot. This area I just leased, a hydraulic mine, not very far where I had that encounter. It's not very far from that. Maybe... I want to say 15 to 20 miles northeast or something. So the guys I got the hydro mine from, they had encounters and they had Bigfoot roar at them and other people in the middle of the day, right out, it just right out of sight in the tree line, you know, hiding in some brush and trees. It just, they're out there trying to mine, assess the area. Anyways, I'm out of time. And we're going to talk more about Bigfoot at a later time when I have better stories and more stories. So I wish you great gold. And next we're going to get back on the gold. And I'm going to tell you some excellent stories. So good luck to you all. God bless and good speed. Godspeed.